Racing. It's green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start. Kablenz is holding on. Cut glory for Kablenz. But it is all heart style Rico, and he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne Cup in. Green light is on for the Green Light On podcast. Yes, green lights on for the podcast. Uh, looking forward to this one. Uh, pretty big addition. We're going to uh, have a look at the Meadows, obviously, Saturday night, Greyhound Racing in Melbourne. Uh, we're going to catch up as well with trainer Jamie Egan, who puts the uh, the polish on a Greyhound drawn perfectly in box number one. So we'll get to know the story of Jamie Egan and, and a lot more as well with hopefully a few winners on this Meadows program. And I will say confidence levels are high. Uh, I'm pretty keen on a few, uh, especially a couple of these best bets at the Meadows on Saturday night. Run of the week. So run of the week time now from last week, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Kanji Tank. Uh, probably a bit of a selfish reason why. Obviously, was uh, given a good push on the podcast last week was Kanji Tank, and I just couldn't believe the price. Uh, went around close to ten to one, and uh, just. Did what it did last time was impressive. Uh, the week before was unlucky working through the field, but still an impressive run. And this time was able to jump and instead of making the ground, uh, was putting a break on them. So I thought this was the run of the week. A bit of a selfish one. Kanji Tank getting home. And they're away. Slow to go was Daintree Lad. Speed out from Maximum Edge is going to lead with Kanji Tank to the first turn. And they bunch right up behind this pair. Up to third, Mapunga rolls on the rail. That's Ivy. Trying to squeeze through was Pierce. Well back then in the field was Mapunga Roz and Daintree lad and then came that's Ivy but off the back it's Kanji Tank Kanji Tank is going well out on Maximum Ange, Pierce running on behind them was Daintree lad in the straight though, Kanji Tank Kanji Tank wins it, second Maximum Ange third Mapunga yeah, rolls once he lobbed up on the pace, the big 36 the kilo giant was uh, not for beating, that's for sure good sections too, only 5.20 early, that's going to be his knock moving forward but 17.90 down the back and uh, 30 and 19, so a nice rounded out victory last week from Kanji Tank at a good price. Saturday's preview. Let's look ahead to Saturday night's preview now with uh, 12 on the program. First at 6.49. Now you ask, where is Corey Smith? Um, he's over in WA, Sandgrope this week. That's what he's doing over there. I think he's more going for a couple of frothies, to be honest, and catching up with a, a few mates in WA, it seems. Uh, he's given me the go-by on the podcast. He says, Jimmy, I'm having the week off. So we'll let the uh, the great man off with the uh, the running at the Sand Groper uh, at Cannington this week. So let's get through the 12 on the program, uh, starting with race one and mix six and seven over the 600 metres. I'm with Zinzan Chopper on top here. Um, much would have preferred an inside draw. That's the only concern, I think, going into this race. Race two, one of my better bets of the night. Uh, number one, Classy Ballas got hot early speed. The last 50 will be a worry, but um, I'm quietly confident she's going to go a mile in front through the first couple of marks. So race two, number one on top for me, Classy Bella. Race three, another one that I'm really keen on a best bet. Race three, number two, Al's Anthony. Uh, I reckon he was something beat in the launching pad. He is a serious young talent. When you go through his form, the Breeders, Victor, uh, he was fourth, probably something beat in the launching pad, and he's only had eight starts, so he's doing doing things really impressively. I'm, I'm super keen on race three, number two. He is a slow beginner, so he does rely on a little bit of luck in running, but, yeah, I think he's going to be mighty hard to beat there. Uh, race number four, City View Bistro final. Tricky little race, this one. Um, probably leaning towards Shimmer Deb. Can be a bit of a slow beginner, but does look to have 
uh, a pretty big motor when she does get up and going. So I'll pin the faith on uh, number three, Shimmer Deb, in race number four. On then to race five, we're going to have a chat with uh, Rare Sapphire's trainer in just a moment, Jamie Egan. Interesting to see what uh, he thinks. And I was just having a look at the market moves earlier in the week as well. And uh, there is money for Rare Sapphire going around. Uh, thought it was a pretty even race, to be honest. I'll probably have a small play on number six, Mystery Chill. Um, there's a greyhound, I think, in the race by the name of Mystery Chill that is very hard to catch. But um, when she does turn up and does do things right, she's got an enormous motor. It's not the strongest race in town. So I give uh, Rare Sapphire a huge chance as well from the good draw off that Bendigo win a few starts ago. Race six, I'm with Gangster Paradise. I just think he's becoming a a greyhound that just purely needs the outside of the track. Um, the inside boxes don't do him well, and I think uh, his run was still big after a slow getaway last week, so happy to be with Gangster Paradise in race number six. On then to race number seven, grade five, 600-metre race. Again, not a super strong race, and Pandemic, um, if she can uh, deliver what she did two starts ago behind Valor Bale, I think she'll win this pretty easily. So uh, the best dog in the race for mine, race seven, number eight, Pandemic, pretty keen as one of the better bets again of the program. <laughs> race number eight, it's a mix three and four over the five, two, five. Um, leaning towards Eula Bale, I'm just not convinced because he's coming back from uh, that campaign in, in Sydney. Uh, so that is probably the only concern. But five starts ago, he, he pushed Rejuvenate for three quarters of the race. So that is a good form line for this. There is money earlier in the week too for Gary Stun on. We know what he's capable of doing from an inside draw. But I'll go with Eula Bale. On to race nine. Uh, I'm going to go Golden Ratios, just a, a quality stayer. Um, and she should be able to get through the small field okay. And I think the key is just getting ahead of Shanlon Hunter in the early part of the race. Race 10, another one of my best bets, number one, Ailey Bale. Um, I think she will turn the tables on Madigan. I think she's drawn to almost lead. And from there, uh, I think she'll be too good. She met so much trouble last week and was only beaten three and a half lengths. She's had a horrible run of draws lately. Her last five starts, eight, seven, eight, seven, seven. She's got the red here. She's about even money. Um, this is my outright best bet of the night, race 10, number one. Uh, on then to race 11, thought this was a bit of a raffle race. Um, not too sure who to play. Maybe something like Vicluse Bale who can jump and run, but there's a bit of depth in that. And race 12, the last, uh, going with Jigglypuff. I think the box draw brings uh, this daughter of Fernando Bale right into the action. Hunters, punting club. Honestly, uh, I feel like $50 isn't enough <laughs> this week because there's so many that I do like. Um, I'll start by having uh, $30 a win on Ailey Bale. Um, that is my outright best bet of the night. $10 a win on Al's Entity and $5 each way on race two, number one, Classy Bella. Uh, gamble responsibly, of course. If you think you have a problem, give gamblers help a call on 1-800-858-858. The chances are you're going to lose. Inside Info. Side info time ahead of the Meadows, Saturday night Greyhound Racing and another man who is sort of doing a little bit of uh, dual code hopping, I guess you could call it, racing between not just the Greyhound code but the Thoroughbred code and doing it relatively successfully, I must say as well, is Jamie Egan. He's got a Greyhound Racing Saturday night drawn perfectly in box number one and he's jumped on, I think, the number one Greyhound Racing podcast. Jimmy, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, James. Yourself? I'm well. I wanted to have a little bit of a chat about your name, firstly, um, because uh, my name's James as well, but I've never gone down the path of Jamie. Now, anything we look at with your social media, it's all Jamie. Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
Yeah, funny story. I was actually born and um, mum and dad decided to call me Jamie and dad went and, um, and to the uh, birth registration and put James. And when <laughs> mum found out, she was pretty peeved off with him, but it was too late. So officially I'm known as James, but uh, to, for everything else, I'm Jamie. I don't know any other Jameses that have gone with Jamie. I know um, Jim's obviously and, and things like that, but um, yeah, never never seen a, a Jamie that's actual name is James, but you're a first. Uh, this dual code hopping, I'm calling it at the moment, we're seeing a lot of it where people are involved in the thoroughbred racing game, whether it be as a jockey or uh, as an owner, and then also involving as well into training and, and owning of greyhounds. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and firstly your involvement with the thoroughbred game? Yeah, look, um, I've got family who train racehorses, but you're actually wrong, James. I'm I'm a harness man. My partner Beck's uh, into the thoroughbreds, um, and I'm fully supportive of her and help her where I can. Um, but I've got my trainer's license to, for harness racing and my um, strapper's license for the uh, thoroughbreds. And my partner Beck Dudley's got her pre-trainer's license to train gallopers and is ambitious to get her uh, full license so that she can um, train the racehorses. At the moment, she's got one horse that she's um, pre-training and also another horse that she's pre-trained and a, a trainer, Jackie Sims, has got her horse to race for her. There you go. It's, uh, it's an extraordinary uh, family at the moment when it comes to uh, to switching between the codes. I feel like I've been sent astray, to be honest, Jamie, following you on social media, because I swear you're uh, you're promoting horses like one hell of a family. Is that is that mainly through Beck? No, that those horses actually, when I was a kid growing up, every every opportunity um, on my school holidays, I used to go up to my cousin's place in Wangaratta, which are the Hoisteds. Okay. And um, help them around the stables, and uh, I've been with them forever, and they're they're like my second family, and I've got a an involvement in every second racehorse that they train, which is one hell of a family, and that's exactly what our family is is one hell of a family. <laughs> well, I, I feel like we're starting to break this down. So you you do have involvement in thoroughbreds. You're also a harness trainer, a greyhound trainer. Is there anything else you're good at, mate? I know you're uh, you're good at putting the shoes on the the gallopers and and the harness horses, and even just the the pet domestic uh, horse as well yeah yeah i'm, I'm a farrier by trade that that's that's what my income is um i don't actually shoe actually james i, I just trim okay so i'm off to all the thoroughbred studs and harness studs and and veterinary clinics and and all your pony clubbers i was gonna say mate i think i've got a little bit to to learn about uh, when it comes to terms <laughs> i've gone with uh, jamie egan the the shoer but uh no the farrier is the word that uh we roll with hey let's let's talk something i'm a little bit more comfortable with and that is uh, Greyhound Racing. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved. I guess you've always been involved by the sounds of it in the racing industry, but um, as of the most recent years, you've taken a, a real liking to Greyhound Racing. Yeah, correct. So um, had a had a young family, and um, and that's pretty full on raising a young family, as you're aware of. And the horse has got too much, like takes up a lot of your time. So Greyhounds is a great opportunity to stay into the racing world without actually. Um, chewing up too much of your time compared to the horses anyway. So got went down the uh, racing line, which was my passion, and um, and, and love it, loving every moment training the greyhounds. And you've been involved now training for a few years. Uh, the, the highs so far throughout those couple of years, what would be the, the best dog and best race you've won? 
Yeah, look, there's been no big race I've won. Um, every, every little race I win, it's just um, means a lot to me. Like, you know, whether I go to Hillsville and win the T3 race there, just just winning a race is a real buzz. Um, probably one of my better dogs I had was uh, Gamboa and Papaya. Uh, both those dogs performed super well for me. Um, not not city class, but in the country, they they uh, punch ball above their weight, and we had a lot of fun with them. And both dogs were owned by a bunch of uh, owners with about ten people in the syndicate, and um, just just uh, watching owners race dogs with me is a huge thrill and yeah, good fun. I've just gone to a, a website, racingandsports.com.au, and, and they, they bring up a lot of the uh, the data. You can type in any trainer, any greyhound, and it, it brings up data. And when I look through your most recent four years, they have a return on investment if you were to back every runner. I believe that's what it is. Uh, I've just been sort of delving through this website, racingandsports.com.au. Anyway, uh, I've scrolled through there, and I think you want to be getting better than a $1 return on investment. I think that means if you back every single runner that you have engaged, um, if they're more than a dollar, then you'll make a profit. And I've gone through your last few years, uh, $1.36, $1.50, then $0.69, cents, and then $1.26. So every single year, you're only racing a small team of greyhounds. But judging by their prices, you're actually overperforming in, in the training aspect of getting them to win races. Yeah, that's that's like well, I've got a theory, James. I, I I believe when you're training a dog, you really want to be winning about one in every four races. I know it's a high expectation, but when you when you race a dog and it's racing in um, like the tougher races and that, you you're then eligible for your T three racing and your ranking races and that. So so on average, you should be winning, winning roughly one every four races. And if you've got your your dogs that aren't aren't performing at, at the greatest level, well, they um. Every dog has its day, and and they can win at good odds. So. It's a good way to to look at it, and I love looking at stats and and different things with with trainers. I know obviously the the Jason Thompsons of the world they uh, they've been shooting I think at thirty five to forty percent for for the last fifteen years, which is which is absolutely breathtaking, and it's a it's a credit to them. But even you, uh, Jimmy, you're up uh, around the uh, the twenty five percent nearly every year, which is which is absolutely outstanding. So let's move on from the stats to race five at the Meadows Saturday night. Rare Sapphire jumps from box number one, and I liked his win. Uh, three starts ago, 28-19 around Bendigo. I thought that was a that was a run that to me screams out that they're good enough to come to town and race well. Yeah, correct. Look, this dog's a really funny dog. Uh, we bought him a few months ago. We paid six thousand dollars for him, which is not a lot of money for a greyhound, but it's enough money. And we syndicate our dogs out, so we um, advertised him for six hundred dollars for a ten percent share, and he was snapped up fairly fast. And um, I was excited about this dog having him in our kennel. And the first race we had with him at Sheppard, he comes out and wins, so everybody's happy and yeah, nice. we're going great guns. But after that, it was all downhill with his dog. He um, he just struggled and was running at the back of the fields, and he'd jump out and lead it, lead a race, and then and then just not likely wasn't even trying. And um, we were at our wits' ends with him and um, thinking of retirement actually. And we raced him at that meeting you just spoke about at Bendigo and he comes out and wins in a city class time. And like, you know, if he hadn't have done that, he probably would have been retired and all of a sudden he's found his mojo back, but all credit to me partner Beck. She's the one that um, does a lot of the hard work behind the scenes here and um, just got the football out and some balls and just played with him. And he seems to have found his mojo and his couple of starts since that win has been pretty impressive. Um, his last start, I nearly broke the track record at Bendigo and he's uh, run a credit 
incredible, I think it was fifth, but um, ran a really good race. So we just thought, well, Meadows, when we bought him, he was the last up winner at the Meadows. And unfortunately, he's grade four um, provincial at the Meadows. So we thought we'd have a crack at the um, city class because his um, ranking's fairly high that he'd be eligible for a weaker race. So and that's what he's that's what he's in. He's in a, uh, one of the weaker races at the Meadows on set tomorrow night, and we think he's a really great each way chance. Interestingly enough, he's won seven races out of fifty nine, but five of those victories uh, out of the seven career victories have been from either boxes one, two, or three. So when the draw came out, James, you would have been, uh, or Jamie would have been pretty happy with. Uh, I'm confusing myself now with uh, with this, but uh, you would have been happy with the uh, the draw of rare sapphire. Yeah, look um, at the meadows. You need you need to be near the front before that first um, corner, otherwise you're in trouble. And he can be a little bit hit and miss um, at the jump. But um, recently, with his um, since he's found his mojo, he's been more hit than miss. So from box one tomorrow night, we're really hoping he's going to be somewhere near the lead and at the first corner. And then just one, if if he is, he's going to be hard to beat. Have you been able to use certain things from, let's say, harness racing or, or being around the hoisteads in the gallops to then be able to use certain things on the way that you train your greyhounds, or do you find they're, they're completely different? Oh, look, they're all different, but it all comes down to one thing. You need to really have your animal sound and uh, healthy. Um, with, with with all these racing animals, they're very fragile and, and um, easily can be um, sore and you need to pick that and, and make sure that they're 100% sound. I think that's more important than fitness. And then the second thing is fitness is just to make sure that they're uh, fitness without overworking them and making them flat. So you just got to make sure that they're uh, primed, ready to go. And you've said on this pod that you love just winning races, whether it be a tier three or whatever it might be. But if there is one race that Jamie Egan would love to win, what would it be? Uh, I'm just a part of the Shepparton Greyhound Club and um, any any race at Shepparton is is just a, a, a thrill to me. That uh, A lot of me friends and um, the club members at Shepparton are, are there to watch and, and to share it with them. So just any race at Shepparton is, is my goal. The perfect segue into my last question, uh, romantic proposals. Let's chat about those. <laughs> yep, let's go. <laughs> tell me, tell me what happened, Jamie. Uh, well, I've been with my partner for a, a couple of years um, prior and um, thought it was time to ask the question and had to save money for a, for an engagement ring. And, um, and and I won a couple of races on the punt and, and had a couple of grand to go and spend on an engagement ring and thought I was all set to go and went to the um, shop to buy her the ring. And, and to my surprise, well, a couple of grand wasn't going to quite cut it, so I had to save a bit longer and couple more punts later, actually, my cousins, the Hoisteds, uh, won, won a race at Wodonga and um, they were confident about and got me over the line and I was able to buy it. And then I thought, well, I'm not in a hurry to uh, propose. So I've just got to pick the right moment. Anyway, we were training a dog for James Shaw and um, she was racing on a Saturday night at Shepparton and she was outclassed. She had no chance. I took the ring with me just in case that <laughs> she did win, not expecting much. I thought, oh, it might be a couple more months before we get a winner and I could propose to her on the track. That was the idea. And anyway, she she decided to jump really quick out of the boxes that night and let them and, and the rest is history. She, uh, she won the race. So 
I ran inside and uh, my friends uh, that run the bar and the track at um, Shepparton said to her, can you um, come out and take some photos and, and ring up out the back because the photographer wasn't there that night. So I said, ring up out the back and tell Beck to come around for a winning photo. And prior to that, I actually told Beck that there was no more winning photos. I'm just sick of them. We've got too many on the wall. And <laughs> So she's walking around with a shield because the dog was getting swabbed that night and saying to the shield, I'm confused. Jamie said no more winning photos. Why are we going around for a photo? So, yeah, and uh, the rest of history. And, and so the ring was literally just in the back pocket just waiting for the, the, the rainy day that the dog got home. Exactly. Whether it was that night or in three months' time, I wasn't in a hurry. But, yeah, it just turned out that the first, I bought it that day and that, that night we get the winner. One of the best stories I've heard on this podcast in about 130 episodes, <laughs> Jamie. It's been fabulous to have a chat, mate. Uh, good luck with, with everything going forward. Uh, wedding, has that happened yet or...? Uh, October. October. Well, good luck with the wedding, mate. Uh, good luck with everything. Uh, we're cheering for you for the, the Meadows win on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, that'd be amazing. I, I just can't get over that story at Chef. I love it. I love the fact you were just going everywhere with the ring in the back pocket ready for the, uh, the right <laughs> moment. You're a champion. All the best tomorrow. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. That wraps up the pod. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a, a nice, suave, slick type of version as we take a look at the Meadows for Saturday night. Until next time, punters, as always, uh, safe travelling, happy punting. Don't forget three episodes out next week with the Geelong Cup. We're going to pull that one apart and try and get that episode out nice and early uh, next week. So enjoy the weekend. Happy punting and good luck.